jumping off my Chinese house. Two ducks in my spyglass, for as a mouse is Welcome to Yarns at Yin Hu, a podcast about the fiber arts and other post-apocalyptic skills. Episode 231, Home Deck, Wednesday, September 18th, 2019. I'm your host, Sarah. You can find me on social media as Sarah Pomegranate. Each time I record a podcast, I post show notes, photographs, and links to the things I talk about on my website, yarnsatyinhu.com. I also keep quite up-to-date and detailed information about my knitting projects on my Ravelry page, and I'm Sarah Pomegranate on Ravelry as well. Today's episode includes the following segments. On the porch, yarn lover at large, off the shelf, and so forth. On the porch, it has been a little while since I've recorded a podcast and I realized how important talking about my knitting is to my practice. So I've been eager to tell you about my progress, especially on Yell. Yell is a design by Marie Wallen. It is an all over color work cardigan with a bit of a cropped design and lower in the back than in the front. And I have been knitting it since April and intend to finish uh, in time to wear it to Rhinebeck, the New York Sheep and Wool Festival in mid-October. The point where I am now is that I have cut the steaks for both sleeves I have picked up stitches for the sleeves and I have knit them down to the point where I am supposed to start the smaller motif color work that forms the forearm of the sleeve down to the cuff. Before I start knitting those smaller designs, um, I really need to cut the front steek so that I can put this sweater on. The reason I want to do that is I want to see that my slight changes to the knitting are going to work out. I'm knitting the smallest size of yell and the directions call for cutting the armhole steek and then picking up 111 stitches for the sleeve and then following the sleeve pattern which has the two color motif, but then it has gradual decreases so that you're tapering the sleeve. And the first sleeve that I cut and I picked up, I followed these directions exactly. And I knit about, um, I would say three quarters of the way down in the two color color work. And then I examined the sleeve and I just found that it was really too big and too loose. So I'm trying to follow the principles like 
seem very important on the boxy sweater. I haven't knit this, but the principle is that the body of the sweater is oversized, but the sleeves are quite cylindrical and fitted so that the whole sweater doesn't just seem like you're swimming in it, but it it seems stylized, like oversized body, narrow sleeves. And the sleeves were just too big. The knitting was too loose. And I feared that in following the pattern, I would ultimately get a sleeve that's too long because the sleeve doesn't really start until the upper arm. So even though that was quite a bit of knitting to knit that sleeve that far, I took it all out. And I made a decision to pick up fewer stitches and knit one less motif on the sleeve. So when I look at it, it looks like there are six designs going down and I'm started with the second one so that ultimately I would knit five. It included a little bit of fudging, but the fudging is really under the arm in a place where it's not very easy to see. So I picked up 107 stitches and I tried to get a much tighter gauge, um, but I didn't change needle sizes. And I, from memory, I realized that when I knit the Lovage, I did drop down a bit when I was knitting the sleeves in order to get gauge. I'm already knitting this whole sweater on US size one and a half, which is smaller than what's called for. And I really didn't feel like dropping down to a one for the sleeves. Most of the sleeve on Lovage is just a single plain color. So that wasn't too bad in a one, but I just didn't want to do that for the L. But I consciously tried to tighten my gauge and um, be more consistent with my stitching so that it wouldn't be too loose. I'm pretty happy with the result. And now I have knit both sleeves to what I suspect is the elbow. But I don't know because until I cut that front steek, I can't try it on. And I really want Samuel to film me cutting the steek. And every time we're cleaned up from the bathroom project and stuff is put away and I can focus on something other than working on the bathroom... It's dark. So I haven't been able to get him to film and as tempted as I've been just to cut it, I really want to get it on film because it's my first big steak and it's exciting. And I want to be able to show you on social media what that's looking like because there are a lot of people who have said they're very curious about the steak or they think, oh my God, I could never do that. And so it's really important to me to document that. And to be able to show you. So hopefully very soon, because we're kind of reaching a plateau on the bathroom project that I'll talk about a little more uh, later in the episode. And I feel like Samuel and I will be at liberty to claim some daylight minutes in order to film this process. And then I'll be able to put the cardigan on and see what's you know going to play out in terms of 
the sleeves. And from there on, it's all fun, small motif color work knitting, and I get back to those gorgeous Fair Isle motifs that were worked into uh, the bottom border of this cardigan, and they're repeated again on the sleeves. So I think that will be really wonderful, uh, quick knitting, very highly motivating when I get to it. I've also been knitting a bit on Morning Fog by Yuko Shimizu. This is a beautiful, soft, drapey cowl that I'm knitting with my hand spun. It's just a lot of stockinette and ribbing, some short rows. And I took this to a knit night at Mountain Knits and Pearls, and it was a really beautiful thing to knit on, super easy and relaxing, and I didn't have to pay too much attention. So that's going well. I'm not rushing it because it's great social knitting, so I try not to work on it when I'm at home. I also have two pairs of socks on the go, and I realize that I don't have photographs or projects set up for them on Ravelry, so I need to get to that this week. One is that I'm knitting a pair of just plain socks um, in terms of them being stockinette and ribbing, kind of boring, but the exciting part is that they are in the common tater self-striping colorway from Joanna of Knitspin Farm, and boy, oh boy, is this fun to knit. I have started both socks. I'm knitting them on my favorite uh, Flexi Flips needles. And I actually took a sock to a very long presentation on one of the first in-service days where our job as staff members was just to sit and listen attentively. And I thought, I am taking my knitting. And I knit on a sock the entire time I was able to look down only occasionally, make eye contact with the presenter, nod along, understand everything. And quite a few of my colleagues commented that they were so jealous that I was had something to do uh, with my hands during this presentation because it was just over two hours. And that was a really trying long time to sit there. And of course, we all knew that it would be rude to look at your phone. So there I was knitting away on my common tater socks. So they're both begun. I'm working down the leg and I think I've started the heel flap on one of them. I have also cast on a pair of forest floor socks. This is my new design that will be coming in early October it has a lace pattern and also a bit of a cable down the back of the leg. And currently I have four fabulous test knitters working on this and giving me extraordinary feedback to tweak my pattern. So it's really perfect for all of you when it comes out in October. And I have cast on another pair in a new sock yarn from Hope of Hope's Favorite Things. And this is super special sock yarn because 
my class, my fleece to finished object class and I skirted some of the Dorset fleeces that went to Battenkill Fiber Mill to make this yarn. Also, it's a Dorset mohair blend, so it's a great alternative to um, Superwash Merino Nylon Sock Yarn because it has that strength of the mohair, a gorgeous luster, and the mohair is from Hope's Animals and spun, as I said, at Bat and Kill Fiber Mill, and then Hope dyed this gain that I'm working with using walnuts. So I have shared a photograph of that on my Instagram feed, and I've made quite a bit of progress since this past weekend. So I'm planning to finish the first sock and turn it over to Hope so that she can have it on display at the Lehigh Valley Fiber Festival, which is this coming weekend, September 21st and 22nd in McCungie Park in the Lehigh Valley. So if you're nearby, you'll definitely want to check it out and check out Hope's booth. It's actually a whole porch at the Fiber Festival. And she has this um, fingering weight yarn spun at Battenkill and a DK weight, which is also absolutely gorgeous. She has a sample knit hat from English Jane in that. And uh, this weekend will be a great opportunity for you to check that out. Or you can visit her shop, uh, which is open Thursday evening and Friday and Saturday in Richmond, Pennsylvania, which is not too far from Easton. A sample of the forest floor socks will also be on display at the Southern Adirondack Fiber Festival because I knit my first sample using um, beautiful Northampton yarn dyed by Carol of Foster Sheep Farm. And it's in this gorgeous, it's a really, really difficult color to describe. It's a mauve, I guess, but it's more brown leaning than purple leaning. And I think it's just a beautiful, magical color for the lace motif on these socks. I love Carol's dyeing and um, these socks were just such a joy to knit. So she will have a sample in her booth to show off her beautiful Northumberland yarn. And I will uh, be working on getting the pattern to her so that she has copies in her booth for New York Sheep and Wool. So that's exciting news about a new pattern and quite a few of you have expressed interest. So I'm really pleased about that and I look forward to sharing it with you. Speaking of upcoming festivals and being a yarn lover at large, uh, I did visit the New Jersey Sheep Breeders Sheep and Fiber Festival uh, the first weekend of September. I just went for a few hours on Saturday morning and I took my mom along because she lives not too far from there in Hunterdon County. 
and um, we had a really nice time. It's been a while since I've been to this festival because the first weekend in September is super busy uh, with lots of things locally um, that are possibilities. Uh, But I did have some hours to be able to attend, and I have to say that after a few years, I think this festival has really improved in organization and all of the offerings. The fairgrounds were super neat and organized, and the way the festival was organized on the grounds, you started with the sheep, and I think that's such a great design and layout for a festival rather than starting with the vendors. We spent a lot of time visiting the sheep and the show opened with a Jacob show. So there were, I don't know, maybe 30 Jacobs in the ring and the judge, you know, judging different categories. So we got to see their handlers working with them and, the different varieties of Jacob, which is really one of my favorite breeds of sheep. And I like to work with their fleece a lot. So it was great. My mom and I just spent a lot of time hanging around there. And then we went through the sheep barn. There were lots of animals. There were many different breeds. There were folks on hand to talk about their sheep. Everyone was very knowledgeable and friendly. I thought it was really, really great. Uh, And then we visited some vendors. We sort of made a rather quick pass through. Uh, My mom actually did more purchasing than I did. (laughs) I was trying very hard not to um, engage in a lot of shopping because I was at sort of a crucial point in knitting yell. And what happens when I make new purchases is I start to become really distracted from my current project. So I kind of kept my blinders on and did some visiting, but we visited Lisa of the Fiber Nymph um, Dye Works booth and had a great chat with her and saw all the beautiful things she has available. She's doing some amazing uh, self-striping with different themes now. She's got some good stuff. And I picked up a booth sample that um, I had lent to her and um, saw a few, you know, other friendly folks and went through the fleece um, show and sale, had some beautiful cookies. And then really before it was even lunchtime, we were out of there. Uh, I could have easily spent the whole day and it looked like the festival was very well attended. They also had workshops. So if you are in um, that region, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, I would really urge you to check that out um, for future reference because it's it's becoming a growing festival and I was really, really impressed with it. I have some classes coming up at Hope's Favorite Things in Richmond, Pennsylvania. First will be a suspended spindle class. We'll talk about all sorts of suspended spindles, and it's a great class for beginning spinning. 
If you've already tried your hand at a regular student drop spindle and you'd like to try a Turkish spindle or get some assistance with your spinning on a Turkish spindle, this would also be a great class. It is on Saturday, October 6th from 10 to 1. And then I'll be teaching a tubular cast-on and bind-off class on Thursday evening, November 14th. I will link to the information for signing up in the show notes for this episode in case you are interested. And in case you are a very long-term planner, I have just received a contract and I will be sending in a deposit for the Knit Local Retreat in Greenwich, New York that runs concurrent with the Farm and Fiber Tour in Washington County. And that retreat is April 24th, Friday through 26th, Sunday. The event, the uh, Farm and Fiber Tour, is always the last full weekend in April. And so our retreat runs concurrent to that. So I don't really have any news or registration or anything for the retreat at this time because I haven't even made the deposit yet. But I thought that some of you might want to put that on your calendar and uh, keep it in mind when registration opens and you will have more information later on. Off the Shelf. Today I will share a poem by Robert Pack. I'm not extremely familiar with this poet. He was born in 1926. He's an American poet who has spent most of his time in New England associated with uh, the Bread Loaf Conference and directing programs at Middlebury College. Uh, So he's spent a lot of time in New England uh, and is currently, according to information on online, currently working um, part-time, sort of post-career in Montana, so out in the West. This poem is titled Late Summer Purple, and it caught my attention because currently there are a few things in bloom late summer in my garden, which is predominantly a shade garden, but has some patches of sun. And uh, the Coreopsis, the Dyer's Coreopsis, are just continuing to go crazy. Some of the heads are drying out, and I'm collecting and saving the seeds. Uh, But the blooms just continue. A heavy rainfall pretty much knocked it flat into my yard, and I propped it up again um, with some stakes and some rope and on and on it blooms. Then on the other side of the house in the shade garden in late August and during September, we have liriope. Um, And so when it seems like the garden there, the landscaping is really fading, all of a sudden there are these beautiful purple stalks like shooting up into the air and kind of making that part of the grounds vibrant again. So this late summer purple really caught my attention. Late summer purple. Wild aster, bee balm, hyssop, 
Crisp chrysanthemum, proclaim bold purple in the pallid dawn, asserting there's more blossoming to come, more purple in the prickling thistle thorn, more purple in the valley's swirling haze. Even the robin's shadow on the lawn, even your welcome of the dew, your praise, proclaim bold purple in the pallid dawn. Yes, purple is the color of your need to have your mood made manifest, your final flare before October's culminating leaves exceed in parting opulence, the purple air of royalty that radiates about your head. Your mastery of mourning everywhere, you move to make a purple hymn to hum. Wild aster, bee balm, hyssop, crisp chrysanthemum. And so forth. I am so excited that the bathroom project is coming to a close and fruition. Uh, We are very, very, very pleased with what we've been able to accomplish um, doing the majority of the work on our own. And it looks like one of the very last finishing touches will be a shower curtain for which I have ordered fabric. We had been toying with the idea of a glass panel for the shower and just couldn't really make a decision about what we wanted and it's quite a big expense. So we've just decided to put that decision on hold, maybe indefinitely, and um, we have a, a shower curtain. So, so far we just have the fabric liner, but I want to sew something beautiful for our bathroom. So hopefully the fabric will come this week. I can have it laundered and then I can plan the dimensions and sew it up over the weekend. I've made a shower curtain before. I made one way, way back, like in another life, another home with another machine that was borrowed. And I remember that the difficult part was the dimensions and having enough room to measure everything out Uh, because it's big and it's a lot of fabric. Um, But the easy part was sewing it up. And I'm also excited to put buttonholes for the shower hooks. I don't want grommets, I don't think. I just, I want buttonholes. I think it will be much easier to launder and I think it won't be as noisy on the metal hooks. So I'm going to go with that option, keeping my fingers crossed. And I've ordered a mud cloth Uh, like fabric, uh, very dark. We have a lot of black in our bathroom and uh, with just a very pretty small uh, graphic motif on it, reminiscent of a mud cloth um, that I think will be very beautiful, kind of masculine. Um, 
and in keeping with some of the other decor that we have in there. So I'm really, really excited about sewing this and having, um, in general, maybe thinking more about doing home deck for sewing and knitting projects and having more things that I've made in my home. So I was even thinking about um, the leftover fabric from this shower curtain because I think I will have a substantial amount of waste um, from the curtain to make some sort of like a table runner or, um, you know, sort of large fabric mat for the center of our table where I put candles and flowers and other kinds of things that that could be a good project for some of these leftovers. When I spent some time with my mom and we went to the fiber festival, we also spent some time working on cutting the plaid fabric for a faro dress. And she helped me with some tips for pattern matching. And I was so disappointed that I didn't wear my um, self-drafted pants from Cal Patch's creative bug class because my mom had helped me with the measurements and I really wanted to show her the pants, which I hemmed and finished and I'm now wearing, um, and see what she thought and what adjustments might be helpful. And I forgot to bring them or wear them. So I will have to show them to her another time. But we did work on cutting out all of the pieces for the pharaoh dress. So that is waiting in the wings um, to be sewn up. I did decide to use the black flannel fabric. And I was concerned about what to use for an interfacing since it's already so thick. And my mom said, don't use an interfacing. Okay, hadn't thought of that <laughs> as a possibility. Uh, she said, you don't need it. Just sew the fabric. It's plenty sturdy. It will be fine. So I'm very curious to see how that will come out and um, how it will work with the maxi length because I drafted maxi length panels for the skirt and we cut those. Um, and I sort of thought about what the sweep would be and what the length should be because the back dips down lower than the front and also, I don't want it to be amazingly full, but I do want it to be full enough so that I can take a comfortable stride in the skirt. So, exciting. This will be my fourth iteration of the pharaoh dress. All have been sleeveless versions. And I just love it. I love the pockets so much. And I love the way the pattern comes together um, with the top and the bottom, this will also be the first time I've used uh, kind of color blocking to have a black top and the plaid skirt. And what else? Oh, and I'm still pondering what to sew with two yards of the woven crepe fabric from Lily Marsh that was produced with yarn from the Hudson Valley Textile Project. I really would like to sew and wear something uh, made from this fabric um, to the New York Sheep and Wool Festival, 
but I only have two yards. It is a very narrow fabric. I'm wondering if it's 40 inches across. I'm not sure of the width. So I am very limited um, with what I can make, and it is quite a thick fabric. I was thinking about some sort of pinafore, uh, maybe the York pinafore, um, and wondering if that kind of a look might be good or too bulky with my lovage underneath because the York pinafore is very revealing. You can't wear it on its own. It needs to have some sort of t-shirt or sleeved top uh, worn underneath. And I was thinking about the idea of what if I wore a sweater underneath? I don't know, still rolling that around in my mind. Um, and I think once I make some strides on other projects, I'll have a little bit more headspace to think about that. So it has been so much fun to talk with you all. Thank you so much for your comments uh, on Ravelry, on social media. Several of you have sent messages recently saying how much you enjoy and appreciate the show. Uh, couldn't make me happier. Uh, and it's really gratifying to spend some time recording and sharing my making with you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, and I'll see you next episode.